Hey, Dan. Hi, Hannah. So we're in the middle of a preaching series on the book of Acts. Um, This week, we're looking at everyday leadership. Should we just dive into the passage? Great. Great. We're in Acts 6. I'm reading verse 1 to 7. Um, So... Um, Just for a bit of context, the Holy Spirit has come on all the disciples at the beginning of the book of Acts. They've seen some incredible fruit and they've been so far just brought together in unity and sharing everything they have with each other. Um, And that leads us to where we are today. In those days, when when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are well known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will, t- re- we will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Pharmaeus, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Um, So just before we get going on our official questions, do you have any initial thoughts about the passage? Yeah, I, I love this passage, Hannah. I mean, there's many great themes in it. Um, I, the, the one that I'm thinking of today is just this theme of everyday leadership, because it just screams at you. This is a church in Jerusalem with 12 apostles. For goodness sake, a church with 12 apostles. That's it's so just, keen. It's, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen a church with that many significant leaders in it? And yet they're not sitting on their laurels thinking, you know, we're doing pretty well on the leadership front. They're thinking, you know what? We want to keep pressing ahead. We need more leaders here. And so this passage is all about releasing leadership. And that's something I'm really passionate about. And and whether that's in the home, whether that's in a workplace, whether that's in a family, to see men and women really stepping into this thing of everyday leadership. That's so great. Let's dig in with a couple of questions. Um, So it's clear here that um, the leadership has come about in response to a need. It hasn't existed in a vacuum. Um, they've been frustrated with um, the lack of organization for making sure that everybody has enough food. And out of that frustration has come a need for more leaders. Um, do you think that's usually the case? And has there been a time in your life when frustration has led to a sense of calling in some area? Yeah, when I read that scripture, I, I identify with that very much. I think in terms of my own experience, I'd say... of leadership is often born out of a frustrating experience or something not going as it should have done Mm. and then having to engage with it. 20% by proactive thinking ahead and planning. Uh, But I I think the... um, you know, I think parents or employers would say a similar thing. There's proactive and reactive leadership. Even uh, Jesus one time, he turned up and it was a crowded place. And he just noted that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so he said he had compassion on them and he began to teach them many things. And here is what Jesus seemed to be doing in that situation. He read the room, he read the crowd and he said, these people, they're just messed up in the way they think and are taught. I must teach them. He had compassion and mm. it drove him to do something. Mm. And, um, 
I remember I mean, many years ago now, when I was about 50, uh, not when I was 15, 15 years, <laughs> 15 years ago, when I was first uh, an elder in Kings, I got a phone call one day and it was from a, a lady in our church. She'd been recently widowed. Uh, she lived in a flat in Westerhales and she just rang up. She said, Dan, she said, I've got a bit of a problem. I wonder if you could help with, um, the, my flat is getting flooded uh, mm. by sewage. Every time the neighbours uh, fl- flush their toilets, it's backing up, the drain's blocked. She said, I'm trying to get the council out to see it, but every time they, they say they're going to come, they don't come. I've got to go to work, but I really don't want to miss them if they come. Could you come and sit in the flat? And I, I said, of course, Dorothy, I'd love to do that. Uh, no problem at all. Anyway, I got there. One morning turned into two weeks of sitting in and waiting because... People would come and go, people in suits with clipboards, and they'd, and they'd look at it and they'd shake their heads and they'd say, isn't this awful? But then they'd say, but it's not really our department. It needs somebody else. So they'd send somebody else and somebody else would say the same thing. And eventually it got fixed. But I was left thinking, well, here am I. I don't have the expertise to help, mm. but I do want to help. And I think God looks at the heart more than he looks at our expertise And actually, when we allow ourselves to get a bit frustrated with things, whether that expresses itself in compassion, frustration, anger, I think that is such a key to developing godly leadership instinct. God can add the expertise later, but the thing he needs to work with first is our hearts. So I think if anybody's watching this today, I I think I'd uh, I'd really want to urge them, if they find themselves in a mess... Mm. That's the ground where leadership grows. And I'd encourage you to let God shape your heart and to let him give you the solutions in the midst of that. It's such an unexpected answer to the question, I think. And it's so encouraging. Um, I think lots of us wait for a a heaven to open and a calling to be poured down on us. Mm. And actually, we could be asking more basic questions like, what is frustrating me? And as long as that frustration doesn't lead to bitterness, but as you said, to compassion, Mm. then that's a real place for fruit to come out of our frustrations. Um, Yeah, so that's really helpful. Um, The next question is, um, it's quite clear from... um, what we've just said that initiative is really important in leadership. That mm. you, you, if something frustrates you, you should feel free to say, here's a couple of solutions that could work, mm. um, especially in a church context. Um, but then we see them being appointed. Mm. So they are named, hands are laid on them. Um, so isn't, that feels a little bit... Um, do we, do we have to wait um, for appointing? Um, or are we free to take our initiative and, and go where it leads us? Yeah, great, great question. I mean, of course, it's not an either or, yeah, is it? Yeah. It's, it's a and both. Yeah. And um, I, I think what's clear in the passage is that leadership isn't a badge that the apostles hand out to people and just say, there you go. They don't take a punt on anybody and say, I wonder if they'll be good at this. Yeah. These seem to be highly reliable, proven people who, who already seem to be using the gifts they have. How do we know that from the passage? Well, because it says in verse three, it says these seven, they were known to be full of the spirit and wisdom Mm. and their names therefore get selected based on that criteria. So I I think a great question to often ask when you're developing leadership skills, everyday leadership is this, what am I doing to show myself to be a person full of the Holy spirit? Mm. How's that evidenced in my life? And then to ask this question, how am I growing in wisdom? 
in, in my conversations with people to affect change wherever I can in a positive way. Mm. So um, I remember a few years ago, I came across this thing called 360 degree leadership. It's by John Maxwell. Um, and he said, often when people think about leadership, he said, they think about leading the people they're responsible for. Um, he called it leading down. If you're looking at a compass, it's a funny expression, but leading those you're responsible for. He says, but actually good leaders, they don't just lead the people they're responsible for, but they lead sideways as well, mm. the, the sides of the compass. And um, they're, they're bringing influence to other people who they don't have direct influence over, but they just recognize that they, they, they're there to do good for people around them as well. And then they're also to lead up to use that expression again, which is a slightly odd one, which is kind of what I think the seven are doing in this situation. Probably way before they get appointed, we find out that they're all Greek names, which probably means they're all well known to the widows who are in distress in the story. And I reckon when it says they're full of wisdom, I reckon they're using their knowledge of the situation and they're expressing it in a very helpful way mm. to the people who can genuinely make decisions to change it. So he uses the word knowledge rather than wisdom. Sorry, he uses the oh, word wisdom. Around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's relatively easy to have knowledge. It's black and white. Mm. If people had approached this situation in black and white, it could have got worse. Because actually it needed a lot of understanding, a yeah. lot of understanding of heart and, and not judging people based on experience, but, but, but what we know. It's of not just thinking. spreadsheets, this is it. They're trying to build family. It, exactly yeah. right. So they displayed real wisdom and the apostles heard them on it, I think. I think that's probably what that word is telling us. Um, and then, of course, yeah, the, the appointment does happen. You're right, the laying on of hands. Mm. So what's happening at that point? Does that make any difference? Well, yeah, of course it does, because... As a result of that, we find that the whole church multiplies. More people become Christians. The problem is solved. Mm. So often what happens individually for people or in teams of people where they get on and take initiative, then gets recognized, hands get laid on. People say, yes, we really want you to do this. Mm. We're getting behind it. We're praying for you. Be filled with the spirit. And then God owns it in a whole to a whole new level, which yeah. is hugely exciting. So the pointing sort of multiplies the calling yes. in a way. Yeah. That's a great way of saying it, Hannah. Great. Cool. Um, the next thing we see here is that um, when we were talking about this uh, the other day, you were saying that these these names, we see them from other parts of the Bible. Mm. Um, so Philip is the first martyr um, and is it Philip or uh, Stephen? Stephen, Stephen actually, thank yeah. you. Stephen, the first martyr. Um, and is it Philip who runs after the Ethiopian? Yeah, that's yeah, that guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are, these guys have their own stories coming He's a up. Fitness freak, yeah. Fit loves running beside chariots, uh -huh. running, moving chariots <laughs> for fun. Um, and but at this point, they're being asked to do something which the uh, the apostles have described as waiting on tables. Yeah. Um, so uh, you you you, ca you captioned this to say, leaders are those who serve the bigger picture and not just their own vision. Um, could you talk us through that a bit more? Yeah, um, I, I love this. I love reading this. I love watching those names. And we see them, as, as you say, uh, Stephen, he's a signs and wonders guy. Yeah. He, you know, that's what he's renowned for. Yeah. In the very next verse, it says that about him. And, and Philip, when he goes to a town and preaches the gospel, everybody gets saved. 
delivered of demons, healed of their sicknesses. I do kind of read Act 6 and I think square peg in a round hole. You yeah. know, they're being asked to do the food run. Yeah. Um, but what this does tell me about them is that they're servant leaders. Mm. And that's kind of the only kind of leadership you get in the Bible that's any good. And um, it, it, as you say, the, uh, the apostles don't, it's not a great job description they give it. <laughs> no, they're not, <laughs> this is a really honor-filled job. No, the wait on tables, guys, because we don't have time to do that right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, they could have sold it slightly they, better, yeah, couldn't they? The pitch could have been a more shiny, yeah. So uh, it's hilarious, but here's what the apostles say. We, we want somebody else to, to do this more menial job, mm. which needs to be done. And therefore, it needed people who were going to say, you know, I'm, I'm not about me. I'm not about Stephen Ministries or Philip Ministries. I'm about the bigger thing. Yeah. I care passionately about the church. And you've got to remember, it was just a couple of chapters earlier in Acts chapter 4. It said there were no needy persons among them. And Acts 2.42, you know, they shared everything they had. The grace of God manifested in Jerusalem through this early church was remarkable. Mm. And these leaders firsthand had experienced that. And when they heard that was at risk, when it got announced that, you know, injustice has crept into the church, there's one group that's being valued more highly than another, and everybody's talking about it. There was something in them that said, you know what? I'm going to put my own ministry on hold if I can sort this problem out. Because the reputation of the glory of God is at stake. Yeah. Yeah. The beauty yeah. of the church, the yeah. glory of God. These things are so important. Leadership, it, it always is, is about the whole thing, not the individual thing. Mm. It's exciting. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. And I think the other thing I'd say on that is uh, these leaders were they were well taught so that they know that Jesus would would teach that you know if you're faithful with small things you can be entrusted with much you know the, the first will be last and the last will be first and those sorts of teachings that they would have heard they knew that if they did the stuff that nobody else wanted to do mm. they knew that actually God would actually use that to to do more maybe luke put that in there for us to show that actually this is what god does when people are willing to serve mm. their ministry just goes on speed after that point yeah and we know from um what we've said earlier that actually they didn't wait on tables in an obligatory way they've mm. done it with compassion in their hearts like jesus had compassion on the crowd um so my next question is um there seem to be some par- there's definitely some paradoxes in here because we've just said how important it is um, that people submit and respond to the need mm. and to the vision of the group um, and what God's doing at work in the church as a whole. But yet the, the takeaway point, if we look at the apostles' response to this, is they have vehemently um, guarded their calling mm. and the work that they feel they should specifically be doing. So is it, you know, again, it obviously isn't one or the other, but... Um, should we be making an effort to not be distracted from our own calling like the apostles or should we be being quick to respond to need as it comes up um, like the seven? That's such a helpful question because you're right. You're seeing both of those things. It's both. In, in two groups of people, one simplifying, one diversifying yeah. in terms of priorities. Uh, I think something I've learned over many years, it's only one of the ways I've grown most as a leader is probably by saying yes to things. And 
perhaps that's because I grew up in a slightly simpler world where I wasn't overwhelmed with opportunities left, right and centre, but I found that I'd often not like saying no to stuff. So, uh, you know, people would... Uh, and I've, no, I've never been good at saying no to stuff. It's a nightmare when I answer the door in our house. Because if it's a salesperson... Like, you know, Do you buy dictionaries when they come to sell you the dictionaries? You know, if you've got A to M. I, I shut the door the other day and, and Julie said, what happened? I said, we've got HelloFresh coming. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, you know, a while before that, I, I bought a feather duster for £15. You on the did? Doorstep. Did you really? She said, why did you get that? I said, well, because he needed the money and I, I thought I'd need that. You know. Anyway, anyway so I, hard, I find it hard to say no. Yeah. But in terms of growing as a leader, that's such a brilliant thing because... Often it's the opportunities we don't really think we want are the things that are going to grow us the most. Mm. And um, I think going back to your question, I, I think if you are asking that question, well, should I be simplifying or should I be taking more on at the moment? Yeah. I think that's a healthy tension to be feeling. And probably about once a year, I'll, I'll, I'll ask that question to myself. What do I need to simplify mm. and what do I need to keep on doing or what do I need to take on? Yeah. Um, I think it's sometimes helpful to realise the apostles weren't really simplifying in the sense of they weren't looking for an easier gig. Oh, no. You know, they were looking for more opportunities to get persecuted, get put in prison, to spread the gospel further afield. So for them, it was actually them choosing probably a more complex path for the sake of sharing the good news about Jesus. Mm. That meant others taking on more responsibility in more areas. Um, Sometimes I think it's helpful to think about what your gifts are. So, and and then to think, well, how am I operating in my gifts? So it's often unhelpful to think I have one gift and this is it and I must be doing it. Mm. I find sometimes it's helpful to think of a a top three. If, If you were to ask me what my top three things I think God has gifted me in, I'd say probably, uh, teaching the Bible, uh, probably leadership in the sense of moving things on mm. and thirdly serving you know I like serving and doing stuff practical stuff what I find is I can so like number three of those mm. that number one and two don't get enough attention yeah and then people who love me fellow elders Julie will say you know what you need to be doing a bit less of that and a bit more of that yeah. for the sake of other people and probably on balance over a period of time I'll evaluate well am I moving generally in my gifts and of course then there's a whole load of other stuff that just needs to get done in life yeah and we just need to get on with it and do it and I'm sure that's uh, that's your experience too yeah I I think I've seen God move me into seasons where each of my gift gets a bit more sharpened Mm. and then we'll move into the next one and normally just as you're getting comfortable and he's like no no come on let's go over here and do this one instead um Mm. So it sounds like you're saying there's a time to defend the the clarity of that one calling and yeah. time to di- to diversify according to the need around us. I think that's right. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think the, the nature of leadership is your plate gets fuller all the time mm. because you care. Yeah. And so you'll say, I'm, I'm going to get involved with that, that, that. But then, of course, you have to make choices and simplify yeah and and usually in conversation with others see if others can begin to help in areas of need that you've been uh, you've been spotting yeah I, th- I think you know an example of that um very recently for us is so uh, luke in our eldership team is taking a sabbatical which is brilliant yeah. mm-hmm. um and 
he's been you know, working hard for in eldership for eight years, full time for Kings. We we're keen and ready for him to take a three month uh, break from that. That means shifting some roles and responsibilities around it. It means me, Matthew, and Chris, uh, particularly on staff, sort of carrying some things that we probably think, well, they're not they're not in our top three. But yeah. hey, yeah, we love it when Luke does those things. But we we just need to do them right now, and that's totally fine because mm. that's just how life works. Um, I think we do well when we sort of remember that church isn't actually a collection of people just trying to advance their own gifting. It's, it's every member ministry for the good of the body and the good of the world. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to sort of turn this around to, to ask you, Hannah, um, as you know, as we talk about this stuff, because I know you're involved in leadership. I know you, you're an evangelist. You're a, a youth leader in a in a in a part of Edinburgh that's um, quite deprived. Uh, I know you're an author as well. I know you, you know the complexity of multitasking and everyday leadership in the the midst of that. Um, what what does that look like for you, and what inspires you about this this passage and this idea of everyday leadership? I get excited about everyday leadership because it's a fancy phrase, but. I get excited about the decentralization of the church. Mm. I think we, we started to think that church happens in this building and it happens, um, it happens because of a few select leaders who have a bit more Holy Spirit and a bit more vision and they hear God mm. more clearly. And when I think of that assumption that we can easily fall into, it reminds me of the Old Testament when there were prophets and kings and, and God spoke to a few people and the others just had to sort of tag along. And the idea of a priest who, who was able to commune with God on your behalf, you had to confess to them um, that they were the ones that laid on hands. They were the ones that God would use to give healing. Um and the beginning of this this book of Acts, that same Holy Spirit that enabled that power to, mm. to work through those individuals has been decentralized. It is now everybody's, every believer, everyone who yeah. comes to Jesus with faith yeah. is given his spirit of power, which means that um, we are a kingdom of priests. We all have um, a a calling to lay on hands, to pray for the sick, to see them healed, um, to speak blessings over each other and to baptize people. And mm. um, that isn't just so-and-so's job. Like that's, that's ours. And Andy yes. was preaching a, wh- a while ago about everyday evangelism and he just made it sound so exciting because it is, because it's for <laughs> us. Um, like the other week, um, my friend Connie phoned me up and she was just like, I want to get baptized tomorrow. And I was wow. like, Yes. So we checked it by an elder. We went down to the beach and we just baptized her. Um, and it's that level of freedom. Like we, we are the church. Yes. We, we lead in our leadership is our display of the heart of God and our keenness to see his glory shown. Um, that's what our leadership is. And every, all of us can do that. That is what being a Christian is. It's just rephrasing the vocabulary, possibly. I, 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 I wish I'd been doing this interview with you now. No. I, I, think, I think this is so helpful, what you're saying. I, it, what, what you just said reminded me that when the church got scattered, mm. I think at the end of Acts 8, after Stephen's death, it says they got scattered and they, they preached the word wherever they went. Nobody sat around saying, oh, where are the apostles or where are the leaders? They'd been so well taught so well versed in taking responsibility wherever they were in the world that wherever they went, a whole church in Antioch got started just because some people just started chumming up with some some other guys and started saying, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Yeah. And what you've described there is something that's so beautiful about the early church that I think we've got so much to learn from. And what an opportunity now 
but we're going to be gathering in our homes in small groups. We've been forced sort of slightly into this situation, but what I just have so much faith for the amount of grace we're going to see and the amount of fruit as we think this isn't other people's jobs. We can do this. We can minister the good news and the gospel. You know, I, I was chatting to a, a friend who's a pastor on Guernsey, um, and it's, it's, it's a new ground church, part of our family of churches. They've come out of lockdown completely now because the island doesn't have any COVID. But his learning was, he said, we actually grew by 25% over yeah. lockdown. He said, people reconnected, people turned up on that first Sunday back. Actually, we find God had actually added to us through all these restrictions and people just having to be a bit more relational and a bit more um, in tune with what each other were doing. Really exciting to see what God's going to do in this season for yeah, us. Yeah, absolutely. Last question. Yeah. I think it's the last one. Um, so we've talked about how... Um, what happened at the beginning of the book of Acts was the Holy Spirit came on God's people. Mm. And, and the first criteria for leadership here is um, they must be filled with the Spirit mm. and then wisdom. So if we're going to apply that to ourselves, we want to be filled with the Spirit and following um, in terms of leadership. Mm. How can we be keeping in step with the Spirit in an everyday kind of way? Yeah. Wow. I love that question. I love what you said before as well, by the way, about old covenant, new covenant, old covenant, individuals filled with the spirit, yeah. mm. new covenant, every believer, and therefore every believer influencing, every believer leading in their own kind of sphere. Um, I think it means a couple of things. I think, firstly, I think it means that we allow God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. So Acts 2, they get filled with the Spirit, mm. but it seems to happen again and again. And uh, Ephesians 5 says, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So being led by the Spirit is being filled with him. And I think that's necessary, particularly in leadership, because if you're going to lead anything and try and change anything, you're going to take a bit of a buffeting. You're going to face some disappointments. Everyday leadership means everyday disappointments. Oh, what a takeaway <laughs> quote. <laughs> but it means everyday progress. Yeah. But of course, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be hurts. There's going to be misunderstanding. Yeah. I, I was, um, sometimes I go to World of Football to drop my kids off at football. And in, in one of the pitches, they have these giant hamster balls that you can get inside and people hire them for parties. And I've whole, been in one of those. Have you done it? <laughs> yeah. Is it fun? I went on. I went in one on water, which was okay. slightly surreal. But yes, it's fun. Fun, but, sure. But it's kind of fun because actually you can you, you can bump into each other at high speed and nobody gets hurt. Yeah. I, I think without the Holy Spirit, I think we just end up interacting with a load of people, and it can be hard. Mm. When we have the Holy Spirit, He's a shield around us, and He helps us. He buffets us. He protects us. He gives us joy. I think joy is the Sadly, it's one of the easiest things to lose in the Christian life. And it can be a hard thing to recapture, except for by the Holy Spirit. Mm. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us joy, even in the midst of the challenges. Um, I think the uh, second thing I'd, I'd say is that being led by the Spirit means knowing that we're ministers of this new covenant. So I don't think Stephen, Philip, the other five, I don't think any of them, when they were waiting on tables, I don't think any of them did it resentfully or grudgingly because I think they brought the life of God mm. wherever they went. So you know how it is when somebody's resenting doing a job or resenting being at work you think, and it's written all over your face. I think they just enjoyed knowing that by meeting very practical needs, that the Holy Spirit was ministering and touching people and changing people's lives just as much 
as when they were preaching mm. or doing signs and wonders, mm. they knew that in the practical stuff, God was using them and leading them by the spirit. Mm. But I think it, I think it also means one more thing. If I can finish yeah. with this, um, I think the, the verse use that phrase, you know, it wouldn't be right for us to, to wait on tables. I think as a leader, we often need to be served ourselves and the wonderful thing about the gospel is that the God of the universe serves us at the very deepest level. Mm. And he, he says, I stand at the door and knock. And if you open the door, I'll come in and eat with you. Here's the God who loves to come and wait at our table whenever we need him. And that's not just an invitation for leaders. That's an invitation for mm. anybody, of course, to allow God to come into our lives. It's not about what we can do for him. It's about what he's done for us, letting him fill us with his Holy Spirit, mm. being led by him, mm. being empowered by him, being in relationship with him. Mm. It's such an exciting life, Hannah. It really is. I'm excited just sitting here talking about it. Um, I've, I've been struck as you've been talking by this relationship between service and joy. So it was, by, it was because of the service of... Um, for the joy set before him, Jesus mm. served us by going to the cross. Mm. And so should we just pray now that God fills us with his spirit of joy to enable us to serve in leadership? I, I think that would be wonderful. Hannah, I'd, I'd really like you to lead us in prayer. Great. And uh, so, yeah, if you could pray for us in our homes, in our families, in our workplaces, in church leadership, whatever. Let's pray for the joy of the spirit yeah. to help us. This has been so great. Thank you, Dan. Oh, holy, holy God, I thank you that you, um, you first served us and you served us with a heart full of joy and a heart full of love for us. And so would your Holy Spirit just come on us now, wherever we are, wherever we're sitting, whatever our week looks like, um, just fill us with your Holy Spirit, with the knowledge of your closeness, of your sincere and personal affection for us. Would we just be so secure in your love for us? that that love enables us to, to serve and lead and show love to others in so many different ways. Um, God, I thank you that you gave the church a mission and you gave her um, just the fire of your power and your love. And we just receive that now, God. Um, would you fill us more today and throughout this week? Um, in a way that would help us um, just to love the people in front of us. Um, and to take initiative where we see need. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.